amazing thing. Anyway, well, welcome. Glad you're here. If you're here for the very first time, we want to welcome you. And uh, I'm Pastor Troy, and we're just trying to be real about following Christ, about figuring out what it means. I mean, a lot of times, I haven't said this for a while, is that, you know, it's, it's easy to come across sometimes in a church setting as though you got everything together. And I think the reality is, no, I don't think. I know that the reality is, is we don't. You know, you we're just trying to figure it out, just like everybody else. I mean, I'm up here as a, a, a frail, fragile human being just like you, trying to figure out what this thing's all about. And so, uh, you know, if you're here for the very first time, be, be at ease, relax, sit back. Hopefully God will change some things about who you are today. So anyway, uh, we're in part three of a message series called Living Green, and I, I've had a, a really fun time studying and, and preparing for this, and reason why is because I think this one parable that Jesus gave is, is probably, uh, and we're talking about the parable of the soils, is probably the one that impacts us at so many different levels personally. All the other ones are great. I'm not saying that there's not great value in other parables, but this one, and it's also, it's out of the four gospel accounts of Jesus' life, this one is in three of them in the same way. So there's an importance there to what it is. Another big one, I think, is the parable of the prodigal son. And it shares the heartbeat of God. But this one actually gets into us figuring out what it means to be followers and how to live life productive. And I think most of us want that. Now, weird thought today uh, it, to start off and is that I'm not sure what your view of God is. Because here, here's what I've, I'm experiencing at different levels and different interactions that I have with people. Is that some people have an, a, a view of God as though God might be mad. Or, or God's like this, this God that has all these rules. You know, he's like, hey, if you follow the rules, I'm going to like you. You know, if you, if you just do all the rules. And I, and I think it's a big thing to us because we're a performance-based culture. And, and we like to perform and we like to earn something. And sometimes we come in with a view of God that somehow he's mad or he's upset. And we're just trying to figure out if we can do all the right things he'd like us. It's just the opposite. God, God isn't mad. Matter of fact, he's longing. God isn't upset with you. He's actually hoping that you will come and find out the life that he wants to give you. And so part of what we're talking about today is that God is actually wanting to see you live life successfully. That God would actually get you to a place where life isn't just, oh man, I hope I don't screw up today. I hope I don't mess up today. But just the opposite. God wants to help you and I figure out what it means to live life successfully. And I, and I think, you know, I'm, I feel like, you know, I'm kind of in that stage in life where I'm maybe halfway, you know. I'd like to think that I am. That, you know, anyway, don't, don't, don't read too much into that. But I'd like to think that I'm halfway in life. But when I get to the end of my life, I want to look back and go, man, God, that was good. Thank you. Thank you for the experiences. Thank you for the relationships. Thank you for the growth and the things that you did in me through life. I don't want to get to the end of life and look back and go, man, God, that was a real drag. That, that, that really stunk. I can't believe that was life, you know. I, and I don't want to be there. And I don't think any of us want to be. So God wants us all to be successful, and he's not mad. And, and, and here's the thing with this whole series that we're talking about. There's things in life, spiritually speaking, that cause us or create a dynamic in us that keep us from producing the life that we want to have. In other words, we come up short. We, we, you know, I talked about a couple weeks ago, we take three steps forward, 
or two steps forward, three steps backwards. We always seem to be not quite getting to where we hope we would be. You know, whether it be relationally, whether it be spiritually, whether, whatever it might be, financially, career, I mean, all the different things of who we are in life, we can't seem to quite get there. And Jesus, I think, speaks specifically about those things in the text that we're talking about today. He's explaining that, there are things, that there's things in our lives that keep us from producing the life that God has for us. Not again. He's mad. He's not mad at all. So let's jump into the text. I, I mean, I, I read it every week because I hope it burns deep within us. Luke chapter 8, verse 4, that's where we'll start. It's one day. Here, here's what it says. One day. Jesus told a story, and, and, and here's, the, here's the deal about parables. Parables are simply this. It's taking what is familiar to explain something that's unfamiliar. It's taking this something that maybe is complicated and using something that's maybe less complicated, or maybe I have a greater grasp on to help me understand what maybe is more complicated. And so he's telling a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. And here it is. A farmer went out to plant a seed. And as he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on a footpath. It was like the concrete where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. In other words, it, it was worthless. I mean, it, it, it had no value. It never had any place. It never, got, it never got started. It never began. And we talked about that the first week. And what we talked about was that God comes to some people and says, I want to put truth in your life. I want, I want to put truth that's going to help you out to get to this place where you're going to produce something in your life. But you say, no. I don't want to be a part of that. And you got your list of reasons, and you, maybe it was because layers and layers of rejection have happened. Maybe it was layers and layers of offense have happened. Whatever it is, you've got your reasons, and you're just sitting there going, no, I don't want that. And that seed becomes worthless. So then it goes on, and it says, other seed fell among rocks, and it began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. And, and that's, we talked about that last week, that somehow it, it starts out good, but when it gets to the point where it's challenging and it demands something of me, and what we talked about is it demands a place in my life that I'm not really comfortable in giving up in my life, then it, it dies off. And so it, it falls away. So keep going. And then today, other seed, and this is where we're going to spend our time, other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed, which will be next week, fell on fertile soil, and this seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. And so that's the parable. I mean, Jesus throws it out there and he says, here you go, guys, this is, this is life. This is, this is what's going on. Matter of fact, most of you in this big crowd as he's talking to, this is what at some level you're wrestling with. And so probably everybody in the whole crowd is going, yeah, I kind of, I think he might be talking to me. You know, and there might be another one. I think he might be talking to me. And he probably is because he's talking to everybody. I mean, he's trying to see where are you at in this story. And that's the idea of parables, too, is where do I fit in the story? So then he goes on, and he explains it a few verses down. This is the meaning of the parable. You know, and sometimes, you know, just in case people didn't get it. And this is what I love about Jesus, because Jesus sometimes would come up and say, hey, you know what, the kingdom of God, it's like this. And he'd just kind of give a one-liner. He'd say, see ya. Elvis has left the building. And everybody's going, what the, what the, what's going on, you know? But this one, he doesn't. He pauses, and he says, you know what? I, this is so important. I want to make sure everybody clearly understands this parable. I mean, as, as best I can, I'm going to throw it out there so you can see what's going on. So he goes on. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. 
The seed is God's word. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message, only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. So the first category, by the way, is actually the determination of whether I even have a relationship with God at all. Because if I don't receive truth into my life that God is trying to plant in my heart, if I just say no, I don't have life at all. And so he's talking about this is life and death. We're talking life and death in this first category. And the next category gets going, the seeds, that, the seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. You know, they're, they're out gangbusters running down. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, and then they fall away when they face temptation. Now, this one, I don't know if it's a matter of life or death, because it says in other parts of Scripture that there's actually going to people, be people that make it into heaven, and they literally smell like the fire of hell. It's like they're walking in heaven, and they're brushing off the flames as they get in there, you know? And, and, and maybe that's the dynamic that's taking place, that they barely get through. But the life that they have is less than what God created for them to have, no matter what. Next one, and this is the one we're looking at today. It says, the seeds that fill among the thorns, though, represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out. The message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity they never grow up they, they never get to the place where life is what it was meant to be they, they never get to the place where they actually experience what it means to be a created designed by god person they never get to that place they never get to maturity and then it goes on and the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest good-hearted people who hear god's word cling to it and patiently produce a huge harvest and so, so there's the story, all right? And, and, and again, here, let me review real quickly. God casts a seed. God is actively trying to place within the heart of each one of us in this room right now a seed of truth. God, God is trying to come to our lives and say, you know what, I want to place this. And the reason why he's so active about it is because God, again, isn't mad in just the opposite. He is longing to be in relationship and connected with each one of us. And the way he does that is he puts truth about who he is, so that we can trust and have faith in what he does, so it will change our lives to be what it was supposed to be. Man, somebody better write that down, because that was really good. I don't even know, I just, <laughs> I, good thing, we got that recorded, right? Because that was, I, sometimes it just happens like that, but, um, but the point is, is that God is actively doing it, so God is casting the seed into each one of our lives, and again, then what happens, the seed of truth, this potential freedom, this potential life, this potential thing that God wants to have in me and through me is happening. Now, here's, here's what's, you know, some people, I don't think God is doing anything in my life. No, he, it's happening. Just the fact that you're here today, it's happening. Just the fact that you're in a position that you are even remotely open to what maybe God is speaking in your life, it's happening right now. And so this truth dynamic, and so this potential, and then the soil, the soil is a heart. 
The soil is the, the heart of who we are, our, our emotions, our, our will, our desires, our passions. That's, that's what makes up the heart. And he said, I want to soil, sow into your will and into your feelings and your, everything that makes up you. I want to sow truth that potentially can give you freedom and set you free from all the junk so that you can be productive in life. I'm trying to do that. And so that's what's taking place. But again, the hard soil is resistant. The rocky soil was unable to receive or received it, but then when it became an inconvenience, I'm out of here. And see, a lot of times that's how people are, is we're in that one of those two categories. But today, I want to talk about this thorny soil, this thorny soil, and, and I want to deal with the weeds. Now, in my yard, I've been dealing with weeds in my yard for about eight years now. It's called crabgrass. It's a devil. It is. Because every time I think I got it taken care of, there it is again. Every time, man, and I, and I buy, you know, and I made a few mistakes. I bought the cheap crabgrass preventer. That just creates big burn spots across the yard because I don't know how to apply it. You know, I spill stuff and I come back out and I, I'm blaming the dogs for a burnt mark. And I realize, no, that's where I spent the, spilt the fertilizer. You know, but I, I mean, but over years and years of working, I finally got to the point in my yard where it is green with grass. It's a beautiful thing. Now, there's spots in my yard that are greener with grass, and that's because I've got extra fertilizer from two little varmints that run around my house all year long. Anyway, you, I mean, they just leave little deposits of fertilizer, and then over time, that fur flourishes and happens and things. Anyway, that's a whole nother thought. But but this idea that there's weeds that we got to deal with, I mean, you can't, if, and here's what happens with weeds. If you just ignore it, they don't go away. If you just act like, oh, well, I hope something happens to that, I hope something takes place, that it doesn't happen. They, they get worse. You know, I remember when I was uh, younger, um, in, in my teenage years, my dad set up an opportunity for us to go rogue fields. Anybody ever rogued a, a, a cornfield or a milo or yeah, a couple of you? And, and, and what it was is you would go out literally with a shovel or a, or a hoe and walk up and down every row of a field. And the, and the plants would be maybe about knee high, you know, maybe sometimes a little bit higher. And literally all you were doing was looking for things that shouldn't be there. I mean, it was, it was, it was hard work at times because sometimes you'd be cruising along and all of a sudden there'd be a whole area that had everything but what was supposed to be growing. And you might spend two or three hours trying, pulling those things out, getting them out, and all that kind of stuff. But the farmers would pay us big bucks to get in there to do that because they knew that those weeds were going to kill the harvest. Those weeds were going to cause a situation in that field that when it came time to actually cash in, it wasn't going to happen because there was all kinds of junk in there. Same applies in this story today, that we've got this weed thing. And so Jesus is getting to the weeds, and, and so, you know, this, this thorny thing that's taking place. So here's the problem. The problem is this. Truth is not the only thing growing in the heart of the people that he describes. That's the problem. Truth is not the only thing. There are other things happening that are creating a problem at the same time. It's, it's, it's not like, well, man, okay, God, I go to church, I do my thing, and all of a sudden I got this truth. I, I, I mentally have this, and I get it, and I accept it, and I'm with it, and all those things are going on. But instead, what's taking place in this story that Jesus is laying out, which I think applies to a lot of our lives, is that truth is not the only thing growing in our hearts. 
And actually what's going on is there is a competition for a spot. There's a competition for the best spot. There's a competition for the most fertile place in the hearts of the people that he's describing. And it really, it's, it's a battle. It's, it's a tug of war. I mean, it's, it's kind of, who's, who's going to win? What's going to dominate? What's going to come out on top of the, of the heart? And so the dynamics take place there. And there's this tug of war. And there's this battle. And it's all a battle for the growth or the position for growth in my heart. Now, see, when you start to think about that spiritually, and then what we're going to get into is you start to realize that there might be things in my life right now that are trying to crowd out or choke out or compete for the position that God really wants to have. And if I don't deal with the weeds, if I don't deal with the condition of my heart or the condition of my soil, that somehow I'm not going to get to the place that produces the life that God planned me to have. Again, I'm going to live my whole life, get to the end, and go, how'd that happen? Well, you got crabgrass, <laughs> and you didn't do anything about it. You lived an entire life thinking that somehow the weeds didn't affect you. You went an entire year and didn't think that that would make any difference. And I mean, all the time, how did I get here? How'd that happen? It's because there was weeds, and I needed to deal with the weeds. Now, here's, here's the dynamic. Whatever has the greatest strength in my heart rules. Okay, whatever has the greatest strength in my heart rules. That's, that's the simple truth of what he's getting to. So, so whatever it is in my life, whatever it is in my situation that has the greatest strength and hold upon my heart rules. Now going into that, I'm like, okay, well, maybe I need to look into this closer and see what's going on. And so what happens in that is we allow then the things of life to take the place of Jesus in our lives. I mean, I'm giving you the answer here. And he's not Lord of our lives, he's just part. And sometimes he's this much, and sometimes he's that much. And sometimes, But he wants to be a big part because whatever's strongest... And my heart is what dominates or rules my heart. So what has the potential to make my life alive and vital is actually being crowded out. And the word or the phrase crowded out literally means to suffocate. In other words, I'm going, I'm going to place something over it so that the thing that it's going over, I mean the thing that's over it, causes the thing under it to not grow. Dominated. It's, it's crowded. It's, you know, it's beat up and beat down. So, what's the result then? Here's the result. And I think this is where all of our lives we go, okay, wait a minute, this is something I'd like to hear about, is that we end up being in a place where our lives are powerless. Where we can't seem to make a difference in the people around us. We can't seem to get through the struggles of life. Instead of getting through the struggle, the struggle knocks us down. Instead of, instead of being winners, we're losers powerless we can't we can't see instead of being effective we're ineffective instead of making a big difference and looking back and saying man this has been good we're looking back and going man that's been a bummer and it's all connected to this idea that somehow the root or the weed has dominated and covered over what god wanted to grow through me and in me now i, I got even more personal with it it's it makes me in, in able and ineffective as a parent 
I can't speak into the life of the lives that I dearly hold close to me. I mean, my own kids, because somehow I've allowed the weeds in my own life to crowd out the God life in me. And so when it comes for me to be able to be a parent, I can't be a parent. I'm powerless. Or maybe it's in the area as being a husband. Or my marriage, a wife. I can't be the husband or the wife I'm supposed to be because I've allowed the weeds of whatever the situation of my life to dominate what God wants to create through my life. And so I've got this instead of this in my marriage. I've got all kinds of battles going on because the weeds are creating problems because I'm powerless to do or be effective in the areas that I'm supposed to be effective because I've allowed that to take place. Or as a follower of Christ. As a follower of Christ. I mean, you know what I think? Here's, here's what happened. A lot of people look at Christianity, and maybe this, I'm sure this is nobody in here, and they say, Christianity is a joke because of you. They look at your life, and they look at what you, and you got all kinds of weeds, and, man, you, you know, they're going, that's it? That's it? I don't want to go to church with you. If that's what it ends up like, and I'm not pointing at you over there, if that's what it ends up like, I don't want to be a part of that. And so I, I check out, or people check out, because somehow it's made me powerless and my ability to actually be impactful and effective in people's lives is so diminished to the point where I was like, what's the point? So Jesus said, wait a minute, hey, this is what's going on in this text. That's what's going on. So Jesus describes in this text, there's, there's in this story, this parable, there's three weeds that crowd out the life that is, that is supposed to be full and alive. Okay, let me, let me get into them real quick. First one is this, the cares of this life, which is the weed of worry. Anybody have a worry problem in here? Yeah, okay, all right. The rest of you liars. No. I mean, we, we worry, don't we? You know, I mean, you know, what, and what's Jesus getting at? I mean, he's talking about worry. What's Jesus getting at? Some of us are, are powerless because we spend our lives worrying instead of spending our lives growing. We're spending all of our energy and our time and our thoughts and our, 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 our wrestling with the things that we worry about versus the things that maybe are going to help us actually grow. And the cares of this life get in there. We sweat the little stuff, you know. I mean, sometimes I sweat about where I'm going to go to lunch after Sunday service. I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? I mean, it's like, like Lion King, you know, the vultures on the whole thing. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? I mean, no, it gets stressful for me just trying to figure out what to do for lunch sometimes. Just the little things. You know, what to wear. Oh, you know, he, you must not worry too much about it. But that's right. I don't. But I mean, you know, so we sweat those. We sweat the day-to-day stuff. And then we sweat the big stuff. What's going to happen 20 years from now? What's going to happen to my kids? What's going to happen to my career? We sweat it. We, we, we worry about it. And, and he's talking about, hey, that's a weed that's in our lives. And the real issue, here's, here's where I think God maybe was speaking to me a little bit about this message today, is what is the real issue with worry? And really, what's the real deal? I mean, why, I mean okay, so you, you worry about what, what's going to happen tomorrow. Who cares? I mean, you stress about stuff. Okay, I mean, yeah, it'll take years off your life. It'll make you have heart attacks and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I mean, come on, what's, what's the big deal? 
And really, here it is. I think the big struggle is who's in control. It's a control issue. It's a, it's a control issue because worry is a sign that we are trying to control our lives with our own power. Worry is us saying, you know what, if I, if I freak out about this enough, if I lay in bed and think about it enough, if I have ulcers enough, if I, if I go all these crazy ways in my head, that somehow it's going to get better. Which all of us go, that's dumb. Right? But that's what we're trying to do sometimes. And Jesus said, wait a minute, that care of this life, that weed of worry is getting in between you and it, it's making it almost impossible. So if I think hard enough and I long enough about it and all these loose sleep about it, somehow it's going to get better. And Jesus said, no, that's not going to work. It's just going to actually be a weed that's going to grow in your life and make you unproductive. So worry is living under the illusion that I can control the outcomes of my life by simply worrying about it. That if I, I just really focus in on the worry that somehow it's going to get better. If I just really, man, man, I've been worrying about this so intensely, it's got to get better today. Ah, that's not how it happens. So, so what did Jesus say, real quickly? What did Jesus say? He spoke a lot about worry, spoke a lot about fear. Matter of fact, one of the common phrases that Jesus threw out there all the time was fear not. Really was, he said, don't freak out. Hang in there. <laughs> don't, don't, don't get all upset. Don't, don't sweat it, okay? Hang on. And in one part in Matthew, part of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, he asked a couple questions. I think these are critical to us understanding the whole idea of worry in our lives. This is what he said. He says, that is why I tell you, do not worry about everyday life. And actually, the verse right before that is you can't serve two masters. Tug of war, okay? He says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough to wear. Isn't life more than food? Here's the first question. Isn't life more than food? Isn't life more than your body or your clothing? And so all of a sudden Jesus said, wait a minute, I, I want you to get a perspective here because you, what you're worrying about isn't even the big deal. I've got all that taken care of. Isn't it, isn't it more? And here's the point. Is that when it says cares of this life, that phrase, it's talking about what's temporary. You see, what we do so many times is we allow the weed of the temporary to dominate the, the life of the eternal. And Jesus is saying, wait a minute, isn't, isn't what you're dealing with and you're struggling with on a daily basis just temporary? But what really is big in life is eternal. And somehow you need to have a perspective. So he's asking, isn't life more than food, your body, and clothing? And then here's the second question he asks. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? If you're the best worrier in the world, what's that going to accomplish? You write books on the ability to worry. You do seminars to teach people how to worry. <laughs> you might get money from people coming to your seminar, but you're not asked to teach anything, right? I mean, somehow all this is it, just backwards and it isn't working. So then he goes on. says, so don't worry about these things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father, Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So he said, hey, don't let that weed of worry go. So, here, so here's the answer. How do I pull the weeds of greed, I mean, weeds of, uh, of, totally lost my, uh, of worry, sorry? How, how do I do that? How, how do I pull that? And here's what it is, is I do my best today. I do my best today, meaning I go after him right now. 
go after God in this moment. I, don't, I, I can't do anything about tomorrow, but I can trust him. And that's the next fill in the blank. I can trust him or surrender to him to my, my tomorrow. That, that's how I take care of that. I do my best today, and I trust him with my tomorrow. I say, okay, God, I can't do anything about it anyway. I can't change it. I can't, I can't control it. I don't really have the power to do it. I'm going to give it to you and let you do it. You're in control. You're the source. Second one, second weed is this. It's the weed of greed. Weed of greed. The riches of this life. The weed of greed. And, and the point Jesus is making, it's, it's not about how much stuff we have, right? Get this, get this clear. It's not about how much stuff we have, but it's how much stuff has us. It's not a matter of what, what is in my bank account. It's a matter of how much control the bank account has over my life. It's not, it, you know, we've got to get that clearly. You know, and here's what Jesus taught about money. Let me just give you a real quick crash course. He taught this about money. Everything belongs to God. That's what he taught about money. And in other words, it's not mine. I've been entrusted with it. God has given me what I have. He has trusted me with the resources of life. The question is, is what am I going to do with this stuff? That's the question. Everything belongs to him. The question is, what am I going to do with this stuff? Because that leads to the second part that what Jesus taught about money, and this is a big one, is there will be an audit at the end. At the end, God's going to say, okay, I gave you this, 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 this. What did you do with it? And you just, well, wasn't that all for me? And God's going, wait a minute, maybe you missed the point here. Maybe that's the weed. The weed of greed, that somehow I needed it. It was all for me. Because greed says, the more, the bigger, the better stuff I have, the better life I have. It's, and Jesus is like, wait a minute, that's, that's one of the weeds. The weed is greed. It's, it's somehow thinking that that is going to add a better life to you. That's, that's not the truth. And so the big battle or the real issue, and here's that second one. The first one is who is in control because of worry. The second one is where is my security? Where is my security? Do I think it's in my checkbook? The life that God has has. The life God has for you is crowded out when you look to your stuff or my stuff, my money, as the source of my security. All of a sudden, the only thing I have in life is that if there's money in the bank, then I'm secure. It has nothing to do with God. And what he's saying is that when you have the weed of greed, that kind of thought will crowd out God. And it will it'll leave you unproductive. So the real battle is, where's my security? And, and so how do we pull the weeds of greed? And there's a scripture in 1 Timothy. Uh, let, me, let me just kind of walk through it here. 1 Timothy chapter 6, 17 through 19, it says this. Teach those who are rich. And we actually talked about this several months back. Actually, I think it was last year. Teach those who are rich. Everybody said, well, they ain't talking about me. Uh, here's the deal. In, in the context of this scripture, you're rich if you have food to eat, shelter over your head, and clothes to wear. Yep, we're rich. Okay, just, just checking. I just want to make sure one naked person sitting over here looks like they've been sleeping outside all night, all right? And there's not. 
I mean, so, so rich has to do that. And some of us, if that's the category or description of rich, we're filthy. We're, we're rich. I mean, in America, even the poorest of, quote, quote, American people have richness. If you think about it, we as a nation, even in our poorest capacities, are above the, you know, in the two percentile the entire world as far as wealth. I mean, so he says that. Okay, so, so we get that. So teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unre- unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. And again, God's not trying to say, I just want you to be miserable. No, God wants us to learn how to enjoy life with him. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up treasures as a good foundation for the future so they may, check this last phrase out, experience true life. They can be productive. So they can get to that point. So here's the deal. The weed killer is simply this, two points. Number one, don't be overconfident in your stuff. Matter of fact, it it, kind of gets in, don't be cocky about what you have. Because remember, God gave it all to you anyway. Don't don't go there. So don't be overconfident. Instead, be generous towards God's heart. In other words, here's the simple of it. The proud, the arrogant, the cocky, they will never grow. Or they might have more stuff. They might have nicer cars. They might have nicer houses. But they will never grow to maturity and produce the things that God wants them to produce. Okay? It's hard to be greedy and actually produce the things that God wants you to do. Matter of fact, it's almost impossible. Here's, here's, the, here's the reality. But if you are humble and giving, it will defeat the weed of greed. If you will bow down and realize, you know what, I only have what I have because God has given it all to me, and because God has given all this to me, I'm going to be in a generous spot and give towards the heart of God. And when you do that, and I do that, it breaks the power or the control of the weed of greed. And see, some of us, man, well, I'm wrestling with this, man. I'm, every day I get up, the only thing I worry about is finances and finances, money and all this kind of stuff. That maybe, because you don't have to be rich to struggle with greed. It isn't just a one-dimensional thing. It's not, a, it's not a dollar amount. It's a heart amount. It's a heart issue. So the last one, and I'll wrap it up here, and that's the weed of desire. It's the weed of desire. The pleasures of this life. The, the problem is not enjoying life. That's God, it's not about that. But it's desires out of control. And really what he's talking about is, is having that weed in our lives that says, I want that, and I don't care what it costs me. I want that, and I want to do that, and I don't care. You can't tell me what to do. Don't even try to tell me what to do. God, I don't want to listen. I don't want to hear it. Don't get in my face. And so the pleasure of desire of this life, the weed of desire gets in the way. It's looking around us and saying in our hearts, if I could do that, I would feel better. If I could, if I could uh, uh, have that, I would feel better. It's replacing God, and I'm going to step on toes a little bit, with hobbies. <laughs> it's replacing God with a party, with a drug, with a drink. It's replacing God with an activity, food. It's replacing God. 
because I want to feel something. It could be adrenaline. It could be anything. Anything that I go after that's pleasure instead of what God has for my life. You're like, man, that stinks. I don't want to be a part of that. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've realized because it's the weed. What has the greatest strength in my heart will have its greatest place in my heart, right? And so if that's what's in my heart, man, I'm all about pleasure. I'm all about feeling good. I'm all about that. Then that's what happens. So here's the big struggle. The big struggle or the big tug of war is how do I find satisfaction? How do I find satisfaction in my life? You know, I mean, I know when I was younger, it was, it was drugs and alcohol. That made me feel good. Really what I was doing was running away. <laughs> you know, there's been times in my life when, you know, watching sports on TV made me feel good, but really I was just hiding on the TV. I mean, this is, this is going on. I mean, this is the real life. This is what's happening. So somehow when my pleasures or the desires of my heart are out of control or out of whack, it, it gets in the way. It gets in the way. And so in John, 1 John chapter 2, it's broke down for, this, for us for this, this whole idea of satisfaction. Do not love this world nor the things it offers. And again, it's not talking about we should all build bunkers and never come out into the sun. Right? That's not what he's talking about. It's not talking about, you know, not loving people or loving the earth or, you know, it, it's not that. Do not love this world nor the things it offers, for when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Again, there's a battle going on for the place in my heart. For you do not have the love of the Father in you, for the world offers only a craving, a desire for a physical pleasure. Think about it this way, and I'll try to wrap this up real quick. But uh, um, every commercial that you watch on TV, I mean, I just got a new cell phone, and, and I noticed that now I got my phone two weeks ago. It's already junk, and they're telling me I need a new one. Isn't that life? That somehow the cravings for everything is placed out there. Hey, you know, what you have isn't going to cut it. You need something else. And the world's throwing that out for us. He goes on, so the craving for physical pleasures, the craving for everything we see, and the pride in our achievements and possessions, and then jumping down a little bit further, it says, but anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. And see, what he's talking about, he's talking about not loving how the world operates. Because it's going after all the weeds. And God's saying, wait a minute, I want you to go after something different. I want you to be different. I want you to grow. And be in a place that you're supposed to be. See, what the world chases after and craves is actually going to leave me empty. And, I, and, and all these things are going on. Here's what's happening. I know that this, this, this is the opposite of what God wants, but this is what I want. Don't tell me what to do. I, I want to have what I want to have, and I want to do what I want to do. I want to feel good, and I want to do, do it in whatever way or shape I need to do it. And I throw all that away. And really what it is, it's not being content with what I have. It's craving everything I see. I want what I don't have. I'm discontented. And John, and here's an interesting thing. John mentions an interesting little twist in here. I want to be noticed. That somehow I want to get to the place where my possessions and my achievements are all around me and everybody goes, we're not worthy. 
He's like, you know what? That right there is the weed. That's part of the weed of this desire thing, this, this whole idea that somehow satisfaction is going to be when finally people recognize you're all that and awesome, when actually oh, there's something else. And here's what it is. The weed killers that we chase after God's will for our lives, we come to that place where we say, God, you know what? Forgive me for allowing these things to have place in my life. I chase after your will. Forgive me for allowing these things to have place in my life. Forgive me, Lord, for allowing the crowd out. And so here's, here's what I want to close with and I want to pray. What, what is trying to crowd out the truth of God in your life? What is it? You know, I thought about for my own life. I thought, is it worry? Is it greed? Is it desires? And I thought, you know, I'm not really struggling with the whole greed thing. I mean, there's things I want, but it isn't that big a deal to me. It isn't really pleasure, I mean, unless watching NCAA March Madness basketball falls into that category, which it could. I mean, I enjoy that. I mean, there's, you know, there's some things. Or, but I realize for me, it's worry. I worry about what might happen and what isn't going to happen. And that tends to crowd out. And you know what I have? I call it worry that leads to paralysis. And I don't know what it is for you that one of those areas is part of your life and it's trying to crowd out the truth of God in your life. And so I just want to simply pray for all of us as the soil of God's truth to be receptive. So let's pray. Lord, I simply thank you today that, God, you are not mad at us, but instead you are longing for us. The Lord, there's not one person in this room that you're, you're saying, I'm not interested in that person. But instead, God, you're interested in every one of our lives. And Lord, there's been all kinds of things that have been in our lives that have tried to choke you out. And at sometimes, God, if we're honest and open, we've allowed it to happen. Matter of fact, we might even watered the weed, God. We might even, even fed it. And so, Lord, right now, we're just simply asking that you would forgive us, Lord, for worry. That we would trust you with our tomorrows. That, Lord, we give it to you and say, God, forgive us for the greed that somehow we would go after something else as security and not look to you as our security. Help us, Lord, that we wouldn't allow our desires, our wants to dominate and our satisfaction in you be dissipated and something else be increased. God, forgive us for that. Lord, help us to be receptive to the truth. In Jesus' name, amen.